Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you here. Welcome to those who will be joining us online as well or watching later. Glad you are tuning in. Once again, we are grateful for everyone who makes this morning happen for Gil, Rick, the tech team, Randy, everyone, Jason, who puts the chairs up together and straightens some things up. We're grateful to everyone, and we're grateful for you guys for watching and contributing online and donating here so we can continue to do what we do. Let's pause and let's get ready to pray. We are going to be going through Psalm 23 again, looking at verses 3 and 4 today, and I hope it is refreshing to our souls. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for opportunities like this to be able to still our minds and focus on our relationship to you, to one another, and how we can live into the life that you call us to live into through Jesus. We are grateful again for opportunities to enjoy the freedoms, the comforts, the luxuries that we have and are mindful for those who are struggling, for our friends and partners in Haiti who are going through such turmoil and yet still gather to worship, still go to school, still do what they can to have the importance and meaningful things in their life take place. May you see, hear, and help them in their need. And may you provoke us to do what we can in the ways that we can, not only there, but here and around us. For we do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love that we feel like we've got to respond. We've got to show thank you somehow. It's important. And even saying that, I want to thank everyone for their prayers last week. I know I mentioned my Aunt Rose's nephew, Tim, was uh, injured in ICU. He had like 15 broken bones, being hit by a car, and he is out of ICU and doing much, much better, so grateful for that. We're grateful for things that are happening with Jason as well and how things are moving in a a positive and good direction. Um, At the same time, there are still others in need. We want to lift up Sandra Guerra and her family as her mom uh, last night was passing. I don't know if she has past or not, but we want to be praying for the family at this time. Uh, And I'm sure there's a lot more needs that you are aware of. 
And please use the prayer email to make these requests known. Uh, continuing to pray for my wife's mom as she has tests done to find out what's happening with her. And also, everyone be mindful of my wife as well. She's having hip surgery on the 16th. Um, so we want to be praying for her as that time gets close, um, that it helps her and dealing with the pain that she goes through. She'll never tell you that, but she could use that prayer. So mindful of all these things happening. And if you have, again, requests, please let us know so we can be mindful of them as well. Last week, I began to talk about Psalm 23, and I call it kind of a deconstructed view of Psalm 23, not because we are deconstructing the psalm, but maybe some of the images that we've had about shepherds and about the God who is kind of portrayed in this psalm, things that have been done in this or to us that have influenced how we see and hear these things. I I remember hearing this psalm and hearing, I don't know how many pastors say, you know, sometimes the shepherd would break the sheep's legs so that they could carry them because they just wandered. Sometimes God's got to break your legs. I remember thinking, man, I don't know about that. You know, I don't want my legs broken. I don't want to mess up. And, and I think there's a better way to talk about being chastised by the Lord than broken legs of a sheep. And, and maybe we've experienced some bruising ourselves from people who claim to be shepherds. But I hope that this will invigorate us to see this idea of a shepherd in a way that is comforting and that is something that we can adhere to maybe once again. I want to start by reading the entire psalm. And again, I am reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And so Psalm 23, starting at verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths, for his name's sake. And even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithfulness, faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. It's so hard when I read this not to go back to how I've memorized it in a different version, right? And it starts in verse three with, he renews my life, which might be a little different from the traditional version that we are maybe familiar with, with he restores my soul. And even though he restores my soul has more of a poetic ring to it, if I'm being honest, the reason it is translated this way is because it's the Hebrew does not have this soul-body duality that we kind of read into it. We don't really see that start taking place or being written until the Greeks come into the picture with their writings. And so in the Hebrew writings, there was no this body-soul kind of mentality. And really what's happening, he renews my life, is a picture of... God breathing life into us once again. And so the translation, renewing my life, is more accurate of what the psalmist 
is trying to portray here. And this has a rich tradition. In the beginning, there was breath, that the earth was empty and there was darkness upon the deep, and the one wind pulsed over all of it. It it vibrated over it. it. It produced life. And the Hebrew word for spirit of God or breath of God is the word ruach. We've talked about that many times. The wind, this breath, is the same ruach that has always whirled through the world to protect, strengthen, and shift God's people to paths of life. This is the wind that brought locusts on the land of Egypt to deliver the people when they were in captivity, that carried quail from the sea to the people of Israel when they were in the wilderness to feed them, filled Gideon with courage to rise up for Israel that departed from the self-serving shepherd, King Saul, that breathed protected life into Elijah from a wicked king and assured him that God's presence was there with him in the cave at Horeb when his heart felt torn in two. It was a still, small voice. It was a whisper. It was the breath of God. This wind has always been hovering over the heart of God's people where we feel empty and void. It is always there to bring us back to life. Our lives begin by taking a breath and our lives end with giving that last breath up. The word human is rooted in the Latin from the word humus. I think that's how you pronounce it. It could be humus. It looks like hummus, but I know that can't be right. Which means earth or dirt. In the ancient Genesis story, our origins, we take shape as God stoops down to the dust of the earth to breathe us into being. The first human being became a living being when God's breath met dirt and soil and dust. We greet this world with breath and we give it our last exaltation before we become dirt again. When David sings that God renews his life, he is evoking this primal image of God bending over to breathe life. The image is powerful because it finds us where we're most deficient and desperate. It finds us in a place where we need help. We need life. We need strength. The shepherd isn't just refreshing our soul. Oh, I feel better. Just had a, a cold shower, right? That, that's not the picture that's happening here. The shepherd seeks you where you're sinking, physiologically, totality, wherever you are when you're seeking. The, the Hebrew word for refreshes in Psalm 23.3 is the word shuv. It looks like shove, but again, that can't be right. It's translated literally in this phrase, he brings me back. And I love this, shuv means to return or even to repent. And so this in this picture, the context of the verse, the shepherd is the one who repents 
the lost or wounded sheep by seeking and returning to them. It reminds me of Jesus' illustration of the prodigal son when the father sees the son and runs towards him. It's the, the shepherd who is turning to find. It is the shepherd who is repenting. This has this essence of vulnerability within the shepherd because it's his job to care for the sheep, seeking and returning them back to safety. This verse is asking us to expect to be sought by the shepherd in the times of our brokenness, in the times of our stress. We should expect that the shepherd will repent and come find us. I had to pause thinking about this, guys, because this is something that is overwhelming to me to, to have that sense of God being this and having to be comfortable with this understanding of God, to have an understanding of God in the vulnerability of repenting, not in the fact that he's done something wrong, but in the desire to save and help those who are lost. How many times we see in scripture, you can grieve the Holy Spirit, right? That puts this kind of vulnerability to God that I can affect how God, quote, feels. Right? And we use these words because they're the only words we have to, to give expression. I doubt that God feels the way we feel. I doubt that God repents the way we might repent. But these pictures are there to evoke a response. It's there to help us to see what we can't with just the words by giving us these pictures. I have a friend who I don't see as often as I used to. And now we just kind of converse through text. And they're going through some serious and difficult things. And so conversing just with anybody becomes difficult. And if you know people who've maybe been very sick or have had cancer, I know when my mom had cancer, she didn't want to have a lot of people over. A lot of people who loved her wanted to go and wish her well. But when you're in a vulnerable state, it takes so much energy to just be able to interact with people. And so I, I don't feel bad, like, well, we don't ever get to see each other anymore. I understand their condition, and I understand what they're going through is a labor in and of itself. And so when I, I'm texting them back and forth, one of the things they will always text, because I'm here trying to kind of play this role of pastor. How are you doing? What's going on? I got to do something. It, it's my job, right? It, and not only that, it's I care. I, I want to do something. But they always text back, how are you, capital U, doing? And, and I know when I get this text that I feel comfortable and safe enough to actually tell them. Because I know that they don't want to hear my BS answer. Everything's fine. Everything's good. They want to know what's really going on. And I feel comfortable enough to be able to say, well, this is what's going on. And that's when I feel the conversation actually has some depth and some meaning in it is because it's honest and it's grounded in this vulnerability. Sheep who get lost and wounded in the wilderness can't rescue themselves. A sheep's only hope is that the shepherd is coming to find them and carrying them back. 
The shepherd doesn't expect you to suddenly not be a sheep. The shepherd isn't asking you to ignore your hurt so you can praise him more quickly. The shepherd isn't asking you to deny the things that you're going through. The same shepherd who knit you together in your mother's womb and breathed life into you knows what you need before you even ask and knows what needs to happen to bring you back to life. And one of the things that needs to happen is there needs to be the recognition of where you are. And we're so good at this denying how we really feel, denying where we're really at, Asking for help is so hard for us and so many of us that it's almost, it would be worse to ask for help than to continue living in those needs. But there are two things that bring us back from these pits of despair. When you are depressed, when you are anxious, when you are stressed, two things can help you get out of there. One is Breath, how you breathe. Have you ever been around someone who's panicking and they're hyperventilating and they're breathing so fast that their blood is lose, it's not getting enough carbon monoxide because they're releasing so much of the oxygen. They're not taking in what they need. And a lot of times someone who's a care worker will tell them, breathe, take deep breaths. Because you're going into a place where you're not breathing and your breathing is regulating how you're feeling. Because if you can't breathe, then you get more panicked. And so regulating your breathing helps you to calm down. And the other thing that helps you to get out of these places of despair are people who are around you, who are regulated, who can actually help you get out of there. Having this stability in someone else gives you something to hold on to when it feels like there's nothing else there. And that's why it's so important that we are able to be there for one another. It's an important picture that we are getting here with this idea of the shepherd. Because as we look at Psalm 23, as more than the Lord refreshes us when we're feeling down, but that he actually finds us in our fear and vulnerability and breathes us back from breathlessness and brings us home to a healthy place, physically as well as emotionally. Faith isn't jumping over our feelings and sensations. Faith is being found where we are sinking and choosing to climb with Christ back home. The shepherd doesn't tell the sheep where to go. He is with them where they are. There is a story that was told. It was on a TV sitcom on the West Wing when someone was shot, a Secret Service agent, and they took some time off. And one of the people was going back to them and saying, "How are you doing?" He goes, "Well, you know, you know, it, it's rough. Some days are better than others." And the person he was talking to, he said, hey, "Let me tell you a story. There is a man who fell in a hole." And he fell in the hole and he was crying for help. Someone help me, help me get out of here. And a a physician came up to him and he said, excuse me, sir, help me, help get me out of here. And the physician wrote him a prescription and threw it in the hole and continued walking on. 
Then he continued crying out, and a priest came by, and he said, Father, help me. I'm in this hole. I need to get out. Can you help me? And the father wrote a prayer on a piece of paper and threw it in and continued walking by. As he continued crying out, one of his friends came by, and he goes, you got to help me. I'm stuck in this hole. And his friend jumped in the hole with him. And his immediate reaction was, you idiot. That was stupid. Now we're both stuck in this hole. And his friend said, it's okay. I've been here before and I know the way out. And that's the picture of the shepherd. It's not, here's what you do. Read your Bible, say these prayers, do these things. It is, I will be present with you in the darkness of your soul at this time. When your life is waning, I will be with you and breathing life into you. When you are lost, and wandering, I will come and find you. When we descend to the dark places of fear and despair, we are descending to a place that Christ has already gone. And that's what we find comfort in. Not just, okay, he's going to remove this. It's he is here with us because those times are going to come. He comes to the bottom with us because he has already been down there and knows how to rise back up. Our distress is an invitation to descend to the place where Christ has already walked. We remind ourselves of this even in baptism where we are buried with Christ and we come back to life. It is a reminder of who he is and his identification with us so that now we can identify with him. And that's the picture we have here of the shepherd. It's not someone who is there just telling us what to do. It is someone who is there beside us, guiding us. The shepherd is turning, repenting to find you and carry you home. Repentance isn't something we reach for. Repentance is first a practice of descending with the good shepherd to seek and find the stressed, scared, and scorned parts of our lives. Repentance begins in being found by Christ at the bottom in the pit, in the darkest state of our dysregulation, when our our life is out of control. And it is his friendship that helps regulate us to come back. Not only his friendship, the friendship of those around us. Day after day, descending with Jesus, we will begin to anticipate being able to rise back up with him. So when you are in a place of hurt, and maybe it is physically you're going through an ailment that is a constant reminder through the pain that you're feeling of how difficult life is, the goal of Jesus isn't to make you feel all better. The goal of Jesus is for you to see that he is there with you where you are at in your pain and that he understands and that he will walk with you through this pain and yes, remind you that it is not forever. It's just a season. But in this season, it seems like forever. And it's nice to have someone you can hold on to. It's nice to have someone who can breathe life into you at those times. It's nice to know that you aren't being forgotten just because of where you are. Well, you're no use to anybody, so we're not going to think about you. 
You, you can't serve or help anybody. So, you know, again, we go back to beloved as we talked about last week. You're beloved just because that's who you are. Redemption is God's great gathering up of every distressed, dismissed, and despairing part of you to bring you safely home. So don't be afraid to go low because that's where we rise from is the bottom. In 1987 to 1991, they constructed in Arizona a biosphere. And the biosphere was meant to help them understand how the world works. And in this biosphere, they were recreating all the things that happened in the planet so that they can understand the environment better and see how they could protect the environment and make things happen better. And so they would put people in this biosphere, and it's a fascinating thing if you want to go. It's still there. Go and search and see all the experiments and how many times things failed and, and find out what they learned through this. One of the things they learned is that the trees in this biosphere grew incredibly quick because it was a condition where it was made for them to grow. It, it was controlled. But what they found is as the trees would begin to grow, they only got a certain height before they would fall over. And they were like, what's going on? Why are the trees falling over? They only get so big and then they can't handle it. And what they found is that they couldn't reproduce wind. And it was the wind that caused the trees to have to put roots in deep so that they would be able to withstand the things, the storms and the things that they encountered in life. And without the wind, they might grow tall, but they didn't grow deep. They didn't grow strong. And the same thing is true with us. These storms that we call them, these trials, these troubles, these difficulties that we go through force us to root ourselves. And where we root ourselves is important. How we root ourselves is important. And again, understanding that we are not doing this alone, that we let the storms of suffering and stress strip away the dead branches, and move us into a new story of ourselves as we emerge stronger and different. The spirit still hovers and howls like wind over the water, and what seems like chaos might be creation. And so we need to welcome the wind and not fear it because we are not alone. He leads me beside the right paths. To know the right path, you have to know someone who has gone there first. Years ago, when I was a lad, I climbed Mount Whitney with my brother and a friend. And we were going to go hike to that top of Mount Whitney, and, and I wasn't a hiker I wasn't a trailblazer. I wasn't, I was a city boy, um, but it sounded like fun. And so we got some gear and we went up there and we went hiking and there are trails going everywhere. The only way we could get to the top is because we followed Dave. Why? Because Dave had been there before and Dave knew the way to get to the top of Mount Whitney. If I was just to go on my own, who knows? I'd be out there still today. You would have read about me in the news somewhere, Right. 
The right path in Psalm 23 are paths that reflect the righteousness, the justice of God. To, for us to be led in the right path, it is a path that has a specific direction. And it is the direction that God is setting. The right path will always reflect who God is. And, and we have an example of that in Jesus, who we called the good shepherd, right? Who took time to talk with his disciples. He blessed the little children who, who bent down before the sick and, and touched those who were unclean to help them. And finally, who sacrificed his own life for his sheep. The right path will always be the one that leads us in relationships that reflect Christ's kindness, that reflect Christ's courage. One of the reasons people have stopped going to church isn't because they don't believe in God anymore. It's because the paths seem self-serving or, or detached from the people around them who are different or hurting. Jesus contrasts himself in John 10 to the religious leaders at that time and calls himself the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. The others are thieves. In verse 10 of John 10, he says, the thief comes to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. And that's talking about the religious leaders. That's not talking about the devil. That's talking about those who use people for themselves. And he says, those are false shepherds. A true shepherd, this is what it looks like. This is the way into the fold. This is the path that you follow. And it looks like me. It's good to pause our religious, our religious life. It's good to stop it and, and reflect sometimes and ask ourselves, what path am I following? As this follower of Christ, what am I doing that looks like Christ? Is it a path of hustle and hurry? Or is it quiet hope? Is it a path of, of crafting and making the right image so that people can follow me or that I can have the right answers? Or is it cultivating actual intimacy and care with people? Because it's easy to, to be on a religious path that isn't the right one, that goes in a different direction. And, and this idea, to me, is something that I think a lot of people have struggled with or have seen. I think a reason a lot of people don't go to church or don't believe in the God they grew up in has less to do with God and, and more to do with the paths that they've seen that they don't connect to. One of the things that Brian and I have talked about, and gosh, we've been talking about this for a long time, is starting something where we can have conversations to engage people about the idea of faith, maybe where they've left off or where the path has strayed and they've change their, their way of thinking. And so we, we want to do something called unfiltered where people can come and speak their mind about what faith looks like to them now or maybe why they don't have faith at all. Because sometimes when people say they don't have faith, I find that their lack of faith looks more like Jesus than some people's faith that doesn't look anything like Jesus. So I want to show you just a little video that we put together. I'll talk about it just a little bit more in a second. Wow, okay. That was different. Yeah, 
Yeah, we, we hold on a second. We're exercising the demons of the laptop right now to bring about this. Sure. <laughs> I know so many people who've either gone to church or grown up in church, but no longer do so. And the reasons vary. Some have been hurt by things done or said, and for others, the God they were taught to believe in is now too small and detached from the world that they live in. Some question if there is a God, and many still hold a mysterious faith, a faith in God, in Jesus, or in something they're not really sure how to describe. Unfiltered is a space for us to freely express our thoughts, concerns, or opinions on these things. Each month, we will find a location to eat, drink, and talk about faith and life because what we think and feel still matters. I hope you'll join us. It's precisely this reason that this has been something on Brian and my heart is because there are people who have come to a place where the path no longer looks something like that is inviting to them for whatever reason. And my desire isn't to convince them of a right path. My desire is to perhaps breathe life into them with the fact that they are loved, that they matter, that how they feel, the things they think matter that if they're in places that are dark or they feel depressed or alienated, that they're not. And so this is going to take place Tuesday the 9th, the first one. And you guys, this is something that Brian and I are doing. This isn't a Genesis thing, but hey, I'm sharing it here at Genesis. Brian and I are going to put this on Tuesday the 9th at 7 p.m. at Rescue Brewery down in downtown Upland, and it'll probably change uh, locations. We're just trying it there. We wanted to do it someplace that was kind of neutral. It wasn't a church building. It wasn't a home. It was someplace that people might frequent on their own uh, and be able to have a conversation. I'm sure we're going to post more things on our social medias to make this known. But this is exactly why we're wanting to do this, is because the idea of leading on the right path has looked so wrong for so many people. And when it says, for his namesake, namesake for me is a trigger, right? I know of too many leaders who are more concerned with their namesake than their character reflecting that of Christ. I know the idea of namesake, the namesake of what? The namesake of your church, the namesake of your organization, your nonprofit, the namesake of your image, your ego. It is in the most difficult times that who we are is most clearly seen. It's when I've seen leaders backs up against the wall, what comes out of them shows me what is actually in them. And when you're involved with the ministry and the ministry goes through difficulty, financial hardship, and the reaction is self-preservation, not concern for the people, that tells you something. It shows you 
what's going on. The good shepherd's good name is connected to his willingness to lay down his life for his sheep. The only way you will tell if a shepherd is good is if the sheep are taken care of. Oh, he's a good shepherd. How come all his sheep are dead? How come they're all, I was gonna say something, all idiots. How come the people are so condemning, so close-minded to have conversations, so uncompassionate to people who don't fit in to their political or religious arena? Oh, he's a good shepherd. Well, look at what's going on. You only know a person's a good shepherd if the sheep are healthy, if the sheep are okay. Who the shepherd is is directly connected to what he or she does, which is care for the sheep by giving themselves for it. Psalmist says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. And I love that even when isn't contrasting good and bad, but recognizing consistency throughout it, not consistency of emotion, but consistency of God's love. You are beloved. God, the shepherd is with you, even though you are in this place, even though you feel this way, even though you have done these things. Oh, you made a bad decision. You need to get back to church. Otherwise, you're not loved by God. Remember, the shepherd finds the sheep. The sheep doesn't expect anything less. This is where I'm at. If the shepherd is good, he will find me, she will find me here and take care of me where I'm at. Because sometimes I don't know how to get out of where I'm at because this is all I know. Now what do I do? Do I change and pretend? Or do I allow the shepherd to find me where I'm at? The darkest valley is not the absence of God's presence, but a presence that requires a different understanding, and that understanding is faith. The faith is you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And again, the rod and the staff weren't used to hurt the sheep. They were used to guide the sheep. They were used to hurt wolves. They were used to hurt predators. They were used as an extension so that the shepherd could extend the rod and guide the sheep in the right path. But it wasn't like, take that sheep, break your legs, dumb sheep. It was to guide them in the right path. And that right path looks like the character of Christ. These are hopefully things that you can sense when you get the idea of a shepherd and the role that a shepherd has. There's really only one good shepherd and that's Jesus. The role I play isn't to tell you what to do, how to live, it is to help us see the good shepherd. If I'm shepherding, that's the shepherding that I'm doing, right? And again, that's such a weird word. I'm shepherding, right? We don't use these words, but you understand the meaning here. Because I, I've sat in too many counseling appointments with pastors who were shepherds who then tell people, you need to quit that job and you need to try and do this. And I'm like, how do you know? 
what that person should or shouldn't do. What, you should do this and you should do that. And I'm like, how do you know? And again, I'm, I'm just skeptical. That's kind of my gift, the gift of skepticism. It's my, not my goal to tell you what's right and wrong and how you should live and how you shouldn't. It, it, it's my desire to help us see the good shepherd and see that ways that reflect who he is and how we live. But I'll let him do the good shepherding. And I hope that we will allow that to influence our understanding of what it means to be shepherded and why it's a good thing if it's by the good shepherd. Let's pray. Father, I pray these words are comforting to us, especially those of us who find ourselves in, in times of despair and darkness, that we are not expected to just feel our way out of it, pray our way out of it, claim our way out of it, that we can be where we are and that you will jump in and find us where we are and lead us in the right path to home. And Lord, that path will be difficult. That path, there will be wind. That path will strengthen our resolve. And in that, it will produce faith. And I pray our faith grows in the one who is faithful, in you. Thank you again for opportunity to think about these things. And I pray we continue talking about them and allowing them to shape our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What a perfect song to end with. That was great. May the good shepherd restore your life. May the shepherd direct you in the right path that looks like the character of Christ and guide you throughout the difficulties that you encounter for his name's sake. God bless you guys. Again, hope to continue this conversation with one another. Those watching, thank you for joining in. God bless you guys. Have a great week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.